right. Put this up here. Let's see. That looks straight. Ah, look at that guy. Boop. Okay, we got the buddy. Hey, are we still doing uh, breakfast 10 to 1? Not a restaurant, Mark. Still a production company. Okay, uh, so who's coming on this week? You book the guest every week. Yeah, no, I can book a guest. You want one today? Yeah, someone off that board, you pick. You want somebody from this list? That's easy. Easier. Hmm. Peyton Nope. Drew Brees, probably busy. Okay. Oh, how about D. Ware? It's my dog. Call him. Yeah, yeah, I'll call him right now. Are, are we doing this right now, or? We're ready. Yeah, no, I was ready. Easy. Pick up, pick up, pick up. Pick up. Pick up, pick up, pick up. DeMarcus, my man, what's up, bro? Who, who is this? Hey, it's Sanchez, who? Mark Sanchez, your buddy. Who, uh, who is oh, this? Uh, Sanchez, uh, quarterback, New York Jets. Uh, you, remember, you played for the Cowboys. 10-year anniversary of the 9-11 game. You sacked me first play of the game, number six. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I got to get ready to go. I got to go get my kids and everything. What, what, What's up? What, uh, what do you need? Yeah, no, so so basically just, like, drop everything you're doing and join the podcast real fast. It'll only take a couple seconds, like 30 minutes, and then uh, this would be great. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in again hold, to hold, Fourth hold, and hold, Forever. Hold, hold, I'm your host, Mark Sanchez. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, I'm just messing with you, man. What's up, boy? What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> There's my guy. How you been, man? Hey, How's the family? Man, I've been good, man. The family's been doing well. You know, COVID's been really crazy, uh, but it's been awesome. What about you? Same. Uh, you know, the world kind of stopped, but what I loved watching was your workout videos. We'll get into <laughs> Three Volt Fitness and your gym, everything going on there in Dallas. But oh, yeah. I wanted to start with some very quick, kind of fast-paced questions, one to two word answers from you. We're going to call this the first down blitz. I know you love that as a defensive guy. So I want to ask you first, who has crazier fans in your two rivalry games from the Cowboys and the Broncos? Is it the Eagles or the Chiefs? The Dallas Cowboys rivals, the Eagles have crazier fans, or the Denver Bronco rivals, the Chiefs have crazier fans? You, Go. You know what's so crazy? I would say the Philadelphia Eagles. Because I remember it was a snowy oh, yeah. game, and they were actually uh -huh. putting batteries inside of snowballs and throwing them at us, and it was hitting our helmets. I was so pissed. Wow. That game, dude. But Unbelievable. They have some crazy fans, and if you have a jail at the bottom of your stadium, the old stadium, <laughs> that's when you know you got some really bad fans. That's right. I love that. Okay, here's a quick one. War Eagle or Roll Tide? I know you're Alabama native. War Eagle or Roll Tide? War Eagle. I'm an Auburn fan, man. Wow. Yeah, I know Roll Tide is where it's at, but you know what? I'm from Auburn, Alabama, so uh, War Eagle. Wow. Hold on. They said, <laughs> is that right? Coach Saban's patching in? Hold on. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him on the line. Uh, he, he didn't want me. Right, he, didn't get, he didn't give me a scholarship, so I'm not worried about uh, the Alabama at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the best one, obviously excluding me. Who is the GOAT at quarterback? Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? The greatest quarterback of all time, I would say Peyton Manning. Ooh, uh, I mean, what a it, homer. It, it, it is what it is, man. He was a sheriff, man. And winning a Super Bowl with him at a time to where... He wasn't playing his best. 
that's when you know you got a true champion and a true athlete in the GOAT. I mean, I don't know if there's many records out there that pe people have broken that's his. That was obviously excluding me, I get it. <laughs> How about your uh, celebrity crush growing up? Who did you just, I mean, stop traffic, don't bother me, I'm watching TV and my girl's on TV, who was it, name her? Oh, man, it was Eva Longora. Dude, for some, Whoa. yes, I mean, Texas girl, I loved Eva Longora, dog. I, it was one of those things where she came to the Dallas Cowboys uh, facility one time. I didn't Wait, say did a word. Wait, did the producers or somebody tell you to say that? No, <laughs> this is, I'm being honest with you right now. It is what it this is, This is some man. strange connective yeah, tissue man. here. Okay. Hey, listen, uh, what about you? What, what, who was your crush? You're talking about me. Who was your crush? Same, <laughs> same. Really? Are you kidding me right now? I mean, I can't say anything different now. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> wow, okay, moving on okay, to our last on question right, cool, of the cool. entire interview, because this has gone south fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Your favorite restaurant in Dallas. You got to get a bite to eat. It could be your last meal of your entire life. Where are you going to eat Nick in Dallas? Nick and Sam's. Have you I ever knew eaten it. At I called Nick this one before Dude. the interview. I remember eating a steak at Nick and Sam's. They had something called the Wagyu uh, Sampler. I didn't know how much it was oh, until yeah. I got the bill at the end. So there was five five-ounce pieces of Wagyu beef, you know, like Russian, Germany, you know, oh, yeah. American Wagyu. And I saw my bill. It was six fifty just for the meat. And I said, oh, dear. Are you, like, kidding me right now? But... That, that's the spot where I would go and eat at, for sure. Okay, we're going to move on to your Cowboys career, an illustrious career. But as a rookie, this guy might not have wanted to draft you. Jerry Jones overrules him, as he tends to do. I know but the exactly biggest takeaway, the biggest lesson that you learned from Bill Parcells. You need to be battle-hardened if you're going to play football. You know about those days when we had, you know, those two-a-day padded practices and we would go into the game hurt and still beat people up. It was one of those things where now, I mean, they only have the little shiminal pads on, they have the hat on, but not, no. When we played with Larry Allen and Bill Parcells, just to name a few of those guys, you have to be battle-hardened if you want to be great because there's going to be some times where you don't want to play. There's going to be times where, you know, you have to really, what they call it, nut cutting time in the fourth quarter where you got to go out there and get it no matter what the situation is. And so that's one thing I learned from Bill Parcells playing, but also in life. Like, you're going to have to go and do some things that you don't want to do. You got to be battle-hardened while you're doing it. Well said. Well said. Okay, our first impressions of each other. Obviously, we got up close and personal in that September 11th game, the 10-year anniversary. Tony Romo and I, I mean, we tried our hardest <laughs> to lose that game. We just gave the ball to each other back and forth in that third and fourth quarter. It was an absolute disaster. They replayed it on NBC maybe a month or two ago. And your first impressions of me, you had three quarterback hits. You had a sack the first play of the game, two sacks total. What you're doing there is completely illegal. You are actually grabbing my head and twisting my neck around. It's just... It was really oh, uncomfortable man. for me. What do you remember from that game? I remember going up to the Big Apple. Every single time you play in the Big Apple, they say you got to turn up and turn out. And it was at a, that 9-11 game to where there were so many emotions in that game. The national anthem, they're playing all that, they're doing all those things, everybody's crying, tearing up. 
and all of a sudden you get that gladiator feel in the stadium because we are gladiators in there. And the, like the first or second snap, I remember lining up on the left side, which I never line up on the left side. And you know that. You know I'm oh, yeah. always... I saw that right. too. I was like... <laughs> What are they doing? What's he doing Wait over there? Somebody minute. get him. All right, I'm going to go through this play. Somebody get and, him. And, dude, so I rushed up the field, went underneath, and I'm like, okay, he's a right-handed quarterback, meaning you're this way. And so I know he sees me coming from here, but you were so focused on the guy down the field. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm getting closer to him. And he still does not see me. And when I hit you, I'm not even kidding. When I hit you, I said, I want to squeeze the life out of him when I hit him. Dude, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm just, that's, that's my mentality when I played, man. And when I hit you, I tried to like. Are you talking bone. about me me personally? No, quarterback. Me personally is, or no, every no. quarterback? No, no, this is every quarterback. Okay. Every quarterback, not Mark Sanchez, right. not the guy that I know that's like my best friend, not not that guy, you know. <laughs> but dude, when I hit you and you land, you looked at me like, what are you doing? Are you are you kidding me? It was crazy. And then it happened over and over and over again. And I don't know if that was one of the games where you were like, listen, coach, we're gonna have to put two and three guys on this on this guy right here because I'm not gonna take this punishment the whole game, especially when it being 9-11. <laughs> I'm like, didn't we didn't we talk about this leading up to this game, guys? I mean, that's the bell cow over there. You know, um, yes, that's man. that. We, I thought we put an APB out on this guy. What what happened here? Yeah, man, <laughs> I'm it, 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 it was one of those deals, though. It was it was a challenging game, man, and it was so many crazy plays in that game. Dude, you know, interceptions here, plays, yeah. defensive plays. It was crazy. That was a fun one. Uh, let's see. Did you think back in 2014 that you were going to retire a cowboy? And I know this is going to get into the conversation you had with Jerry Jones before that, but did you think you were going to retire a Cowboy? You know, when you start out playing with the team, if you're there like nine, ten years, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to at least retire with the team because those last amount of years, you become not just that amazing player, but you become a leader too at the same time, but your talent diminishes a little bit. And so you're like, okay, well, I can be that coach that also helps a coach, but be able to, to perform out there on the football field like I should. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, we can't pay you. We can't give you the contract or pay you your last year and we're gonna release you and let you test the market. And it's almost like one of those, man, I thought this right here was the team that I was gonna actually retire with. And all of a sudden I get a call from Elway. I know Peyton's up there, get a call from Peyton. I see T.J. Ward and Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib on the plane with me. We was all, I mean, not all of us, but Aqib Tlaib was right behind me on the plane. I didn't even know who Aqib Tlaib was. I'm being honest with you right here. I was sitting here on the plane, T-shirt on, Aqib has his T-shirt on. And we get off the plane, I go into the bathroom, because you know you want to be suited and booted when you're going to do an interview, because I knew I was going to sign. So I'm putting on my suit in the bathroom in Denver, Colorado. And I turn around and I look, and there's a key getting dressed too in his suit. Dude, and I and I look and I'm like, I still didn't know who a key was. And I'm like, hey, what you gonna do an interview? And he was like, Yeah, I'm about to go sign with the Denver Broncos. And he was like, My name's Akeem. And I'm like, Akeem. See, I, that's the thing that you guys don't understand is I don't watch a lot of football. 
I'm more of a technician of the game. And so we started yeah, talking, chatting back and forth. And Akeem was like, dog, I can't wait to have us together playing in a game. And then I went back and I felt so stupid. When I went back and looked at who Akeem Tlaib was, I was like, this is one of the best corners in the NFL and still one of the best corners in the NFL. And I didn't know who he was. And I, I told Did you him, tell him that? I did. I did. Oh. I told I told Akeem, you know me, I'm straight up, Mark. You know, I'll tell you straight to your face what's up. And he was like, dog, I, I wonder why you was looking at me like that. <laughs> he knew. I, I wonder oh why you was looking at me it's like, like that. It's like, you know, when the guy shows up or you see somebody like your Little League coach and they're like, hey, what's up? And you're like, hey, man, how's the family? You know? Dude, that, awesome. That's, that's, how, that's how it was. And from that point on, oh you know, getting God. up there in the atmosphere, it was, it was real, man. I got that Super Bowl win for sure. That's awesome. And then, obviously, you talked about the appeal signing in Denver. You, you touched on that briefly, but... What did you see in Von Miller, and what was one of the most important pieces of knowledge you imparted on him? What, what did you try and teach him? You know, when I first got there, I had already been coaching Von a little bit since his rookie season. And I remember oh, okay. when, yeah, I remember when they came down to, it was a year before that year I got released, and it was like that 58-53 game. You remember that game? It was a huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy, blow, uh, like, you know, blowout game that we had. And... I remember going up there, you know, talking to Vaughn once I got signed, and I knew how great of a player he was. I just knew that he needed to be focused. And I was like, hey, Vaughn, mm -hmm. these are some of the things that you need to do to make sure you stay focused, to make sure you stay dialed in. And I took him under my wing. And like that next year, he had like 18 sacks. The next year, he had 17 sacks, 19 sacks or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this dude right here is a beast, but he actually sparked me too because he was better than me at the time. I'm like, dude, I mean, Mark, you was there. You was there in the locker room oh, yeah. now. And you're looking like, these two monsters right here, when they come oh, off yeah. the corner, they're bringing the heat. And one thing that Vaughn no actually learned a lot, man, was staying focused with what he wants to accomplish. That's one thing I really left with him in being a leader. And I can see that all the things that I've, I showed him while I was there, he's teaching all the other guys. So... Um, I feel like the legacy lives on. Vaughn can potentially surpass your sack record or your your total career sack mm -hmm. number. You're at 138 and a half. You are ninth all time. You've beat, uh, surpassed people that you looked up to. Yeah. We did some deep diving on this research now. <laughs> I got what a great got research team. My best friend Scotty said, you lived in an apartment number 56. I did. And that was Lawrence Taylor's number? Yes, yes, man. Is that right? Yeah, I lived in an See? 800 square Count foot. It, baby. Yes. Listen, that's back. You and went way so back. So that apartment, 56, go. Tell me. Tell me about that Wait, apartment. So One story an, from was, that apartment. Yeah, it, it was an apartment that was like 800 square foot, three bedroom with a little small kitchen in it. And I remember <laughs> working there, cutting the grass for all the apartments. It was three huge apartment complexes. It took me like a week on those one of those big riding lawnmowers. And I never knew what 56 meant, right? I never knew what 94 meant, and I never knew what 53 meant. But 56 was a guy that I wanted to be like when I started playing at Troy. 94, I didn't know who 94 was, and they told me Tim Betts wore number 94 at Troy. And I said, you know, I'm going to make you guys forget about number 94 make me wear this stupid number. That's what I told him because I was number eight in high school, played wide receiver. I was like, 94, this number sucks. 
You know, that's exactly what I was thinking. But then I got to a point where I grew into it. And then I got to the Dallas Cowboys. I wore number 94. And I didn't know who number 94 was before me. When I came to the Dallas Cowboys, they said, do you know Charles Haley? And I said, should I be stupid right now and say no? Or should I say yes? I said yes. I actually lied because I didn't want to run into another keep to leave situation. <laughs> but no, man. But I didn't know. I, I didn't know who he was. And then all of a sudden, he comes in with these five Super Bowl rings, and I saw how he played. I was like, man, I want to have the tenacity like he played. And then played with number fifty-eight. I'm like, okay, what's the significance of ninety-four and fifty-eight? And the reason why I wore number thirteen it was about the archangel. Right. The angel jet that brings in a lot of energy wherever he goes. So okay. for, for the first time for me, there was 58, which is 13, which is the archangel. And there's 94, which is 13, which is the archangel. And the highest part of my career, both of those angels came together and really wreak havoc on Cam Newton in that Super Bowl. You no know doubt. what I'm saying? What, what was that? What was, I mean, I remember watching that game and just, it, it it was just a matter of time before you or Vaughn was gonna make a play and you did in the most significant moments. I remember TJ Ward picked up the fumble, scooped yeah. up the fumble or something like that. But that was this incredible pinnacle of your career. And there you are in the locker room, one of the first guys in the locker room with the trophy and Peyton walks in. Can you... What did Dude. it sound like? What did it smell like? What did it feel Dude. like? What did you guys say Dude. to each other? Just I, give I, us know, all the emotion I, you possibly I, can yeah, from that. Yeah. I, I'm going to rewind and take back to the AFC Championship game. I remember we winning the AFC Championship game against the Patriots, and I just walked to the locker room. And I sat down, I started taking my stuff off, and all the players came into the locker room, in the Denver Broncos locker room, and it said, Marcus, man, we just won the AFC Championship. I was like, oh, all right. So walked outside, the confetti, everything is going on. And I'm sitting there, you know, holding my fingers like I know I got something to say. And they gave me the game ball because of how much pressure I got and all this and that. And I said, I'm going to tell y'all what. I told y'all, if y'all get me to this Super Bowl, we're not losing this Super Bowl. I understand that there's a lot of AFC championships being won around here. I haven't won anything. This is my first playoff game I ever won, and it was an AFC championship game. I said, I'm going to be up at 6 a.m. in the morning, Monday morning. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, that's what I called them. That's what I said. And I said, y'all better get your fucking mind right, because we're going to win this game. And they looked at me like, we're supposed to be celebrating. Then I smiled, I said, but I tell you what, we're going to celebrate tonight because tomorrow I want y'all to forget about it because we got something we need to do. And I love it. to fast forward to that, hoisting up that trophy in that locker room actually. I remember right after the game, we won the game and I said, I just need some time to myself. I didn't even touch the Super Bowl trophy because I wanted to touch it in a way where there wasn't a whole bunch of fans around. You know, you can't really focus on that, all these pictures. And I remember walking into the locker room, you know, just so excited. And I walked into the locker room and that Super Bowl trophy was on my locker. I don't know how it got there. And I walked into the locker room and I saw it in my locker. And I saw 
where there was nobody else in there, and I saw that trophy. And you know what I mean, Mark, when you're just sitting there and you're walking towards that trophy, it's like a beam of light. Like you worked your whole career to just touch that trophy. And I remember grabbing that trophy off of my locker and just like holding it, like shaking. Because I, I was like, I did it, man. Like this, this is something that I wanted to do for my whole career. I got one opportunity and I did it. And then I felt a little tap on my shoulder. Boom, boom. There was Peyton. And me and Peyton looked at each other in our eyes like this. There was no words. And we just like held each other in tears. You know what I'm saying? Because I oh, knew man. because I knew that last speech that he gave in front of the team was his last one. He knew that. And I knew after that season. I only had one more season left because my body was so beat up. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done after this season. And we didn't have to say those words, but those words were there when we held that trophy up. And I remember grabbing the top of that ball and he grabbed the bottom of that trophy and we held it up like this, like this. I still got that picture. And the thing is, I looked at that trophy and I looked at him like this. It was one of those things, dude, I will never forget that moment of my career. The biggest moment of my career was that moment. And it was with Peyton. To where I was at the end of my career, he was at the end of his oh, career, and we said, we did it. That was, great, that was so cool, dude. And then the masses came in. <laughs> <laughs> then it was pandemonium and was the pandemonium. parade. And yeah. Couple adult beverages later, no, and who knows exactly. what happens. Okay, exactly. good. <laughs> I love that story, by the way. I'm freaking getting goosebumps, and I'm so damn jealous. Uh, but I'm happy for you, of course. So, whose decision was it to resign as a, a Dallas Cowboy and retire there, and why was that important for you? It was very important for me. I'm gonna start there first because that's where I started my career, and that's who gave me that chance. I played there the longest, but I closed my career off being a Bronco. And I feel like there were stages to where there was a beginning, there was a flow in between, and then there was an end that ended with Denver. And I decided to come back home because that's where I started my home, here in Dallas. And that's where my kids are. That's where my family's at. But also, I will always be a Bronco. Like, no matter what, I will always be a Bronco. I, was, I will always have those memories in there. And that's where I had the most change in my life. Mark, when you talk about, you know, Christianity, when we talk about God and all those things, that's where I had the most change in my life of becoming that leader in that realm. So all of it's important, but uh, that's why I decided, you know, to uh, retire as a uh, Dallas Cowboy is because of the roots that I had here, but also the fans. Looking back, I mean, clearly a Hall of Fame career. How does it feel to know that you're one of the best pass rushers of all time? You passed the likes of Lawrence Taylor, one of your idols growing up. And are you going to send Vaughn a gift if he passes you? Or are you going to be a little upset? You know what? I'm not going to send Vaughn a gift once he passes me. He's going to send me a gift. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, feel like, I, feel I, like, I feel like I need a gift from, uh, from Vaughn letting me know that, you know, I appreciate you, bro. Like, I appreciate you for coming here and setting me straight. Yeah. I just passed you up. 
I, and, and Vaughn was like, DeMarcus, you was my idol. That's why I wear the long sleeves when I was in college and all that. And that's cool to hear. So now I'm like, okay, well, you got to play with your idol, right? So now when you surpass your idol, you listen, I need a little money. You know, I need... <laughs> I need something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> let me hold something. Let me hold something. Let me hold something, man. <laughs> That's so good. And clearly, I mean, people can see your energetic personality. You're so good on camera. And then you go do Dancing with the Stars in your post-career. Oh. And, bro, who was a better dancer? You or Vaughn? Who had better outfits? I mean, you guys compete in just about everything. Listen, I had, I had the most swag. I'm going to let you know right now. I, I'm the swagmeister. So... I, I had the most swag, and I did dance a lot better than Vaughn. He was a little bit stiff on there. I, I can talk. I can talk bad about Vaughn. Yeah. So um, I, I am actually the best. And we made a bet of who can stay on the longest, and I beat him. Uh huh. Yeah. So that, that, that that's automatic. <laughs> that's automatic that you know I was better already. So that was one of the most challenging things I've ever done before in my life, dude. I didn't know that the dancers are that athletic, but also have that much endurance. Oh, yeah. And to dance for, yep. I mean, one minute, two minutes when we're on that stage, I had to remember every single one of those steps. It was, let's say like the first day, we we practiced from Monday to Saturday, and then we sh we had the show on Sunday. So, and it was six hour practices a day. Oof. I, that was worse than football. And they did it easy. <laughs> yeah. They did it easy. And imagine, in one minute, you had to remember like 250 steps. But with each one of those steps, yes. there were some type of emotion where you had to cha-cha or you had to have some type of Roomba with that step. And you had to like smile, you had to judge, you had to do all these things. Dude, my brain was on overload. Every single time we started, every single time we started the show, there was these, these little blocks that click. It says click. Click, and then the show just starts. All the lights turn on. Every time I heard those blocks click, my mind just went blank. Well, I'm like, oh, shit, what do, what do I have to do? I forgot my steps. <laughs> Almost like I forgot all the plays and everything, dude. And I just said, you know, just flow, man. I take about two or three steps, and then I start remembering what I need to do. And first it was like, oh, shit, do I, am I doing the right thing? Oh, <laughs> I am doing it right. But it's it's just cool, dude, just to be part of something like that. Hey, why don't why aren't you going on the show? They just starting this new Ooh. Dancing with the Stars. You are you Rico Suave? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been nursing a hammy here, oh, so I'll just um, I'm gonna oh, have to man. ice down. We'll see, maybe Come maybe on. something else in my future. Come Who knows? on now, you Who Rico knows? Suave. I saw the pictures already, so. Heck no. Heck no. So back to everything DeMarcus wear, let's talk about Three Volt Fit. <laughs> yeah. Talk man. to me about your new gym. It looks awesome. I saw the interview you did with uh, the local news station. Yeah. You have the, um, they almost look like reformers. I think you said that was like step one. Then step two is like the cardio stuff and then the lifting. Yeah. So explain, you know, briefly how you put all that together. And it's right next to uh, the star in Dallas, right? It's, it's yeah, close it's by close. there. Yeah, it's probably about, actually about 15 to 20 minutes away. Not not that bad. That's just a small, short trip here in Texas. It's so freaking big. But yeah. <laughs> when I retired, I, you know, I love the workout. I worked out before, after, I mean, when we played together, just working out was something that I always did. It was my oasis just to get away and clear my mind. And when I retired, I did a lot of that. You know, when you're retiring, you're transitioning, you're like, what can I do to really get that purpose back? 
The first thing I thought about is that you work out all the time. You're a great motivator. You was a captain for 12 years in the NFL. Why not make your new locker room the weight room where you can impact more people, not just from inside of the stadium, but people outside of the stadium, motivating them to live healthier lives and to be fit. So I actually tore out my garage, a little two-car garage, and I built this little Sornik system inside of there. Okay. Woodway treadmills, step-up boxes, all this stuff, and started coming up with a method, right? And then I built the studio. And I said, okay, before I made all the mistakes, I built the studio and came up with all the methodology, but also my partners. And I started building the gym. I said, what are the methods of fitness? How did you perform or how did we perform when we played? There was a stabilization part that we always did before. There was a tread part where you have to do the cardio. And then there was a building part. So now that's what each one of these rooms are in one place. You got the megaformers, which is the Legree method, actually out there in Cali uh, with Sebastian Legree. Um, and then you got the Woodway treadmills in there, FTG treadmills with step-up boxes, dumbbells, and suspension training. That's the tread. We call it, that's like, you know, you, that's really where you want to burn the calories at. And then you got the building section, right. which is the hit. Then you got the hit room. So there's all three methods of fitness under one roof, which is the best way to get the best results in a small period of time. But the reason why I call it three volt is we want you to be electrified when you come in there. I mean, three lightning bolts, you'll get your ass to work when you get in there. That's that's what I, I tell them. I saw that and on the wall. It. it said, get after that ass, baby. <laughs> you know, man. Right. Yeah, man, right. they love it, man, but it's cool. It's really cool. That's funny. I do remember seeing you in Denver work out, and I remember asking the strength coach, Luke Richardson, at the time. I was just like, I thought this guy was old. Dude. Oh, my God. He's Dude. just grinding. Dude, I, I mean, every he's day. like, oh, that's nothing. That's like a warm-up. Wait till he starts throwing weight around. I was like, holy cow, I'm out of here. Hey, listen, man, you came in. We, it, it was great just, you know, being able to play with you, play against you, and then see you in Dallas, right? And then play with you in Denver. Oh, yeah. I mean, great dude, man. Like, great freaking dude. Appreciate it, man. And a lot of people, you know, want to boast about themselves, but you, great dude, great player, doing a great job, especially now, you know, with this, the way that things are, not playing football anymore, and then gravitating to your own of who you are, which is great. So, you know, I'm glad that you've invited me on this show. I, I was on board with it when you first hit me up, so. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah. Cam Newton, you had some high praise for Cam throughout his career. You beat him in Super Bowl 50. How do you think he fares this season uh, with Coach Belichick in New England? Just quick answer on that. I think he has structure and he's going to do well. I know with Bill, he creates plays that make the player great. And now he has mm -hmm. an athlete that can throw the football, read defenses, but can also run. He still can run. Right. So I don't know what type of cat he has in the bag <laughs> right now, but I know there's going to be some crazy Patriot plays. Like even when Tom Brady was there, there was crazy plays where he's at wide receiver. He's at tight end. I'm like, right. Brady doesn't play tight end, but they always making plays. So now you got an athlete back there, and this gives him a second chance to prove him of uh, prove himself of who he was an MVP player. And I can't wait to see it. I can't wait for the season to start. That's one of the teams I'm very excited to watch. Yeah. As you know, Coach Belichick, one of his strengths is understanding what stresses his own defense 
And, you know, he talked about playing against Cam and how difficult it is and what he brings to the table as a defender. You understand that. And Belichick's not afraid to, you know, revolutionize some things, try some things right. that are maybe a little different. Like when he went two tight ends with Hernandez and, and Gronkowski and lit the league on fire and they majored in 12 personnel, which nobody did. That was just kind of a personnel you had, but you didn't use a lot. And it was like a, you know, we're only going to run the ball out of this set or have a quick pass check or something. But he's revolutionary that way. So I, I, um, I commend him for that. I think everybody's excited to see it. But then who do you think is your dark horse team? Somebody coming out of left field, maybe people aren't talking about to win the Super Bowl this year. Do you think it's Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or you have somebody else in mind? Man, that's, that's a hard one, man. Winning the Super Bowl this year. You know what? What's so crazy? I'm still leaning on the Saints. Yeah. Because I just feel like the Saints, they're, they're, they're right where they need to be. They didn't lose a lot of guys. They still have everything that they had from last season. And they still have that edge of they were so mm -hmm. close, like two years straight. You know, one play, bobble, cornerback type deal. Another, they getting right. kicked out. Um, I think it was a Houston or somebody that they got, you know, kicked out by. But I feel like they're right there. And maybe they needed a little bit of time off. Everybody needed a little bit of time off. So I think that the Saints, for me, my dark, my dark horse is the Saints to really yeah. probably and then, win the Super Bowl. Okay, and then in your AFC West, the division you finished your career in, Broncos offense loaded. I think yeah. Drew Locke is a great answer for them. Right. Melvin Gordon, they poached from the Chargers. They got Philip Lindsay, Noah Font, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. I mean, they got some explosive talent on offense. Do you think the defense can hold up their end of the bargain? And do you think they make a serious run? Because they got to play with the likes of the Chiefs there. They, they could want to repeat as Super Bowl champs. What, what do you think about the Broncos' uh, chances this year? I think if they start out strong, uh, they have everything that they need now, especially from an offensive standpoint, because... The last three years, the defense has been holding up their own. They've been out there the whole time, and they haven't been scoring any points. Mm -hmm. And the last three years, it's always been like a turnover battle to where there's two a game, one a game. You can't mm -hmm. win games that way. And now if you got, you know, you got Drew Locke there, right? You got all those offensive guys. And when they do score a lot of points, then you're going to see that defense come out like they should. They don't have to worry about holding up against a run for 60 minutes. They're actually pass rushing right. for 60 minutes. And that's when right. they want to crush teams. They're playing in their method. You know what? We're going to control yeah. the clock. I agree. I mean, yeah. it's it's like when you got there, when you got there and Peyton scoring a bunch of points, you you weren't used to playing with a lead like that. No. no. Coming from Dallas no. as much. And now it's, hey, man, it's a track meet out there. Pin your ears back. As soon as that ball snapped, we're on the quarterback fast. We're making a beeline nine and a half yards deep. And it's on, you yeah. know? So I think I saw that those latter years in Denver with you, and that had to be fun for you guys. Yeah, man, because the thing is, we knew that they were going to control the clock. Like, Peyton, he said, we're going to score 30 the first half. And I'm like, what? Like, so he was scored 30? <laughs> listen, What's that look like? Listen, he was scored 30 the first half, and he said, I'm going to control the clock the second half. We're going to run the football. We're not going to turn the football over. But what I need for you guys to do is to get us the ball back as many times as possible. It's not about running up the scoreboard. It's about running the clock down and giving yeah. you guys enough rest. And we had that scheme the whole time. And we won yeah. football games that way to where we would start off so fast. And all of a sudden, that second half, we would just wake up. Because it's almost like they had the first 30 
and we got the second 30. And that's what our method was. That's great. Uh, And then last one on the Raiders. Can a team in Las Vegas stay focused and COVID-free? They got a lot of distractions. And then who are you starting? You put your John Gruden hat on. Hey, brother, this is John Gruden himself talking to you. Beware, deware. Viva Las Vegas Raiders. What's up? Who starts, Carr or Mariota? Oh, man. All right. So first of all, there are a lot of distractions in Vegas. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. Yeah, I've heard that. I, I've never been there before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's going to be very hard for them to stay focused or any other team to stay focused. So hopefully with them being there a lot, they get used to it. Hopefully. Yeah. Then that can be something that can be used as a great distraction for the other teams that come in, right? Um, also, I would probably start Carr. Because the, that's where everything started. At. I remember when he hurt his leg, and I feel like they were going to win the Super Bowl that year. They were going to. Really? I feel like they were going to win. I feel like they were going to win the Super Bowl that year when he hurt his leg. Now they got him back. They got a couple of guys back. They can rush the passer after losing Mac and a couple of other guys. And if they, if I start a quarterback that they know that's also very very hungry, not the new guy, the new guy that's coming in, he's going to add the spark, just in case Carr wants to slip up. Mariota's like, hey, I'm right here just in case. But I would start Carr, and I think the distractions in Vegas are going to be there. Hopefully, with them being there all this time, it becomes an advantage for them. Awesome. D-Ware, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being gracious with your time. Big hug to you and the family, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Here's our sign-off. Go ahead, plug your social. Well, 3-Volt Fitness, we know that. Uh, for Instagram, it's at Demarcus Ware, yeah. and on Twitter at Demarcus Ware. We are at Fourth and Forever on YouTube and Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. You guys, check it out. Peace out. Like, share, subscribe uh, at Mark underscore Sanchez at Fourth and Forever Instagram, Twitter, all that. You know where to go. Thanks again for having us, and we'll see you soon.